Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the My Fancy Zamboni podcast. We are joined today by Mr. David Grant. Hello, Dave. Good evening, Joe. Good evening. Looking very comfortable and cosy in your uh, in your nice dressing gown. Yes, well, you know, it's uh, it's a bit cold in the People's Republic of Sheffield, but we'll shall uh, troop on. We've uh, got a good podcast to do tonight. Exactly. And we are joined by Mr. Andy Stafford uh, in his Benny Dome t shirt. Hello, Andy. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, fresh on my break a minute. Can we just confirm, is this live from from the Solana Hotel? (laughs) It is, yeah. Um, I'm actually wearing a t-shirt from the Ben Dome Wive concert I went to uh, uh, last week, so it's really good, yeah. No advert, we're not being paid by them to promo Benny Dome Live in the slightest, (laughs) we wish. (laughs) But if you can get to go, go. It is fantastic. I'm taking your advice, I'm going to march. Um... (laughs) And the only question today is not who is Gareth Dutton, but it is where is Gareth Dutton. He's actually on the injured reserve list today, out with a migraine. So, Gref, we uh, we wish you a speedy recovery. Um, we'll be trooping on without him today. So, um, over the last week or so, we've seen Belfast take six points over the weekend, including a 9-2 win against MK, which was not predicted by Dave. Um we saw the Steelers break a three-game losing streak, which had a nice 6-0 tonking against Glasgow, but they broke that yesterday with a 2-1 win against the Guildford Flames. And there was a cat-and-mouse game between the Blaze and the Stars, which ended with a 5-4 overtime win for the Blaze. A nice close game there. Uh, gents, what were your highlights from the week just gone? Well, you mentioned both of my highlights, Joe. You know, Belfast getting three wins out of three. Um, okay, two of them at home, but the third game, as much as I predicted, they may struggle with that one. Um, they, they come out and get the uh, the six points. Just before I go on to the next one, if I ever say Milton Keynes are going to beat one of the top teams, go to the bookies and place a bet that there'll be nine goals or more, because both times I've done that, the opposition has scored nine goals against Milton Keynes, so I've not got a good record for that. Um, but, you know... You know, huge credit to Belfast keeping the pressure on the Devils. And you, you've got to mention uh, Glasgow's 6-0 victory in Sheffield. Um, painful to watch if you're of an orange disposition, but to go away to uh, to any team and, and take a 6-0 win um, is pretty decent going. So uh, well done to Pete Russell's side. Uh, mine is the Glasgow clan win uh, in a Challenge Cup uh, semi-final first leg against Belfast. 2-1 win for the clan there. Uh, first goal from Matt Becker, who is the top scorer for the clan. Uh, Jared Hardison getting a second, and then Carl Bourne putting one back for the Giants. Uh, but I've also got to give a massive shout-out to Coventry Blazers' Ben Lake, who's on a 13-game point streak. Uh, he's played 39 games, and he's pretty much matched that in terms of points, so well done to Ben. Yeah, some great games picked out there. For me, um, two close games for me. Nottingham versus Cardiff. Uh, it was a 2-1 win for Nottingham. Uh, there were five power plays across the two teams with zero power play goals conceded. So some good penalty killing from both teams. Uh, and Mike Garnett made a, t- a whopping total of 36 saves from 37 shots. Uh, and then my other was the Flames v Clan. It was a 3-2 win for the Flames in overtime. Uh, another four power plays in there, and zero goals again. So some more great, um, you know, another great show of penalty killing there. Uh, Rumpel making 37 staves. So some good play from the goalies to keep the games nice and tight. Uh, and two good close games there, as I say. 
Um, moving on from those, obviously the thought that's on everybody's mind, particularly if you're a Steelers, if you're a Steelers fan, currently seeing the team in, in uh, the below par positions of out of playoffs, is the race for the playoffs at the moment. Guys, what 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 are we thinking? Are we are we thinking the top eight will stay the top eight? It's it's pretty close. Not a not a chance. You, it is too tight to call, and I I generally think more than eighth place will be up for grabs come the last game of the season. You you look at the spread now between fourth and fourth place gives you the home advantage or the choice of home advantage to tenth place six points. Six points difference. Now, some of the teams have a few games in hand, and, you know, they can make that, you know, eight, ten point gap. But points on the board always makes a difference. You've got to win them games. So six points difference, that is just too tight to call. And, you know, Sheffield are, you know, talking of a playoff push. You know, forget the fact that all three are Sheffield fans. You never see the Sheffield Steelers talk of a playoff push to make the playoffs. Uncharted territory for them. But they're in this race. They're in this battle. And I, I generally think, I think even as much as sixth place could be up for grabs come that last game of the season. I, I, it's just too tight to call. I think you've got, you know, Coventry are picking up results. They're getting a, a few batch of results. You know, Guildford are doing well. They, okay, they lost last night, but on a real performance, they were superb. You know, and Dundee are still picking up the points. So, you know, and Sheffield can turn things around and start a run themselves. You know, we're talking four teams there. Forget, you know, let's not, let's not forget Manchester, Glasgow, Fife. You know, they're going to be picking points off each other. As much as the race between Belfast and Cardiff for the title is going to be exciting, the playoff making it is going to be as exciting for me. I, I, I say is it, is, is it will it be top eight now as it will be in you know nine weeks' time? No. There will be a lot of changes. It's whichever team holds its nerve and can get on a you know, five, ten, five, eight, ten game winning streak with the one who will uh, stamp their playoff spot the soonest. I can only uh, just just agree with Dave there. You know, as, as Dave said, the six points between all teams, and there's like eight, nine weeks left of the season, so at the time, there's anything can change. I think I think you'll see many teams go up positions and then going down positions because it is just that, that close. So th- there's no position that is solidified. And it... I generally think it'll take until last weekend of the season to determine who's who's going to finish where. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. I mean, last year we saw um, some some really hard fought out positions. I think was it five that jumped from about third, the second or third in the table down to down to like seventh or eighth in the table. It's I think it's going to be another another season like that, but just with more changes. Um, I mean, you look at the, the the win percentages is the main thing for me to go off at the moment. Cause obviously, they kind of show you positioning in terms of games won and games played. Um, Dave, as you say, I mean, Nottingham have played forty five games, so got a few more games in the, in in the bag. As you say, points on the board are better than points in hand, but at the same time. You know they've still they've still got those five games to make back, but looking at the, the win percentages, I mean, going from Fife, Guildford, Dundee, and Manchester, it's all. I mean, Fife were fifty six point three percent, Guildford and Dundee are fifty two point four percent, and then Manchester are fifty percent. Steelers are just under that with forty eight point eight percent, and the Blaze are actually, if you look at win percentages, would jump up to sixth position because they're fifty two point six percent. So. A hell of a lot of room for change. Um, the Steelers certainly aren't dining out. The, the Blazers are, are certainly in the race. 
but you know it's it's also a fight for Manchester, Dundee, and Guildford to keep those spots as well. I would say you know Fife, Glasgow, and, and upwards uh, are pretty secure in a position at least for playoffs. But you know, uh, uh, as you say, there, there are so many there are so many changes that could happen, and uh, it really is a case of waiting out the end of the season and and, and seeing. I, I certainly wouldn't be putting any money on those the, the kind of bottom half of the table to be in playoffs or not at the moment. It's just it's just too. Volatile in terms of how much it could change. I think also what we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of playoff hockey. I think we're going to, you know, kind of this 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 kind of gap of the season between now and the end of. And if you're not in that race for the title, I think you know, it kind of don't peter out because you're trying to make sure you're in that top four. But the hockey don't isn't as intense. But I, I think you're going to see a lot more intense hockey because of the amount of teams that are fighting for spots. I think that's going to make the season just continue. Um, a good tempo but I'm going to throw something to you guys and it's something that I've seen watching the SHL and it's their player structure not the the best off series I know that's an argument for another day but they don't just do the top 8 so they do a top 6 and then 7th to 10th now I'm not saying this because Sheffield's in that position so this is something I've, just, I've thought for a while and now is a good opportunity to ask a question so what they have is 7th play 10th 8th play 9th and then the two winners play 1st and 2nd if we still have in the Elite League 11 teams, is that a system? You extend the playoffs by one weekend. Is that a system that maybe they should implement or something that would just change it a little bit to include, you know, you would have more teams involved in the playoffs, but to actually just expand it that little bit more so that, you know, there's only one team that misses out instead of three. What would you, if they say next season, the Elite League said we're going to do that, what would your guys think to that? I'd be 50-50 with it. I mean, I, I, from an extent of the, of the structure, I'd like to see the playoff structure change. I, I think it's, it's too... You look at everywhere else in the world, you look at the, the players that are coming in, um, you know, particularly the North Americans, they don't care about the league per se. All they care about is, is making playoffs. Um, and then the rest of it is down to winning the playoffs. Look at the NHL. Nobody cares about winning that President's Trophy. It's a nice finish, but as long as you're sat in a position where you're going to get the playoffs, it's, it's, that's all that's really bothered about. That's all that's really played for. And I, I don't think there's that oomph about it in our game because there's just it, it's not a long enough series. At the end of the day, if you win four games and you could have won the playoffs, as long as you're in the top eight, you win four games, you win the playoffs. Whereas, you know, in other systems, it's a lot more different. I don't necessarily think the issue is dropping out of the bottom three rather than the bottom team. I think if you add an extra layer of games in, then all you end up doing is adding, you know, you obviously got your quarters, your semi and your final, you just end up adding a round robin in before that or an extra round in before the quarters. So it's not necessarily... I don't think it would make a difference in terms of what play, what teams strive for, because I think teams would still strive for that quarter-final finish to be able to say they're in playoffs. But I, I just think that we need a we need a change. It's not viable for us to have seven uh, like a best of seven like they do in the NHL. It's not viable. I, I really like the way the NHL work with the divisions and the top three from each division make playoffs, and then you've got the top two in uh, the top two non-qualifying teams in each conference making a wild card slot. I love that. It's nowhere near viable for us because there's nowhere near enough teams. But I just, I just think we just need a shake up. I just find it a bit boring and a bit too rigid. First play eighth, second, second place, play seventh, and so on, and then just having it out four games and the winner wins the playoffs. It's just a little bit flat 
as far as playoffs should be. I think in terms of playoff structure, I, I would like to see a bit of like best of three. Maybe at some point, I think that'd be quite exciting. You know, it's not just down to one game. You know, you've got one, two, or even three games to you know to go off of, and I think it'd be exciting for the fans as well because you know it's like you said, the, the players care more about the player hockey than maybe the league hockey. Maybe minimising the league's the league games a bit to make it a best of three would, would be quite exciting. That's just what I'd like to see, just something fresh and. I think the players would really like that too. I like that idea as a best of three, as an overall. I think two problems you've got. One, they're not going to get rid of the the, the, the weekend. That makes far too much money. And that's not a bad thing. But it makes far too much money for Leeds to go, well, let's just get rid of that and have best of. It, it, it helps the league. It, years before, it helped supplement teams. You know, Basingstoke, London. Uh, Manchester Phoenix was helped, and it was money from the playoff weekend that helped the league support them. Now it's used to help, you know, improve the league in terms of structure, in terms of supporting the referees, for example. So they're not going to get rid of that. But I think the one thing that's not going to change, and may not be even in our lifetime, is the culture, British sport culture of it's about the league. I understand, you know, no players from North America won't care about the league because North America. The culture is to win the end of you know the last game of the season. That's where you want to be. You look at any sport. Look at you know this weekend is a Super Bowl. Make the final game. Don't win your division. Make the final game. Whereas in this country, it's win your league. And okay, there's a lot of that sort of win the league ethos in in Europe, but the hockey culture is different in Europe. Whereas in this country, they kind of merge a little bit if that makes sense. Where it's all about winning that league. If you know years and years ago it was you know and they had that culture of be winning the last game of the whole, you know, organised hockey of that of that division, be different. Um, but you know, I, I think we'll always have. It's all about the league. It's you know, I, it's, I just don't think it'll ever change. You know, it'd be a great addition to making, to having, like, still having the finals weekend would be having like a, an extra. You could almost have like an extra cup and have like a Champions League within the league to keep the weekend. I'm completely spitballing this off the top of my head, by the way, so I don't think there's any format to this. But if you could have like, because I love the idea of having a best of three, I, I really do. I, I, it'd be great to have a best of seven. We know it's not viable. We know the logistics aren't there. You know, we, we, we're talking ideal rather than realistic, but a best of three would be great. And... As you say, one of the main reasons that isn't going to happen is because you'd then end up losing your your finals weekend. But what would be great, and it, 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 it'd have a lot of, you'd have to have a lot of working out to do, is if you could then have, so you have your league, you have your Challenge Cup, you have your playoffs, and then to finish it off, you have like a Champions Cup where you have the league winner the playoff winner, the Challenge Cup winner, and then, say, the second highest finishing team in the league. And obviously, I, that I appreciate that may not work dependent on if one one team wins two of those things or more. But it'd be great just to have those four teams. Because the, the other thing is, the, the other great thing about the playoff finals is, I mean, take out the money side for the league. It's also, it's a spectacle for the whole league in terms of the fan bases. 
I mean, if, if you had a, if you had a best of three for the final in the playoffs, then you wouldn't have. Uh, you know, if it was Cardiff, Nottingham, you wouldn't have Belfast fans travelling over to Nottingham to watch you. You wouldn't have Sheffield fans, Funk fans, everybody else coming over to watch the game. Like you have people investing in going to watch the playoff finals weekend. And I think if you had that, it'd, it'd spark it up a bit because the level of hockey would be guaranteed to be good. But at the same time, logistically, it wouldn't happen. But it'd be quite interesting. Well, let's crown the let's crown the spitball and let's change trophy. So instead of the playoff finals having the, the the grand weekend, why do you make the Challenge Cup having the grand weekend? As well as you said, over one weekend, your semi-finals and final, as you do with the playoffs, in Nottingham, and have it that way. And then maybe then, you could move to a best-of format for the playoffs. I think the lack of interest is too significant in the Challenge Cup, though, and I don't think that would change just because it, it turns into being that ha- having that as the weekend. I just don't think that would change. I think the lack of interest is too significant in the Challenge Cup. I, do, I suppose, yeah, I in some way you're coming from. I, mean, I know they've, they've done well in terms of selling out, and I appreciate that it's the capacity is lower in the Ice Arena Wales for the past two years of the Challenge Cup final. But I suppose if you added value to it, uh, you know, guarantee a continental cup spot, for example, and add, the, you know, make the value of, you know, actually winning the Challenge Cup now is a lot more than just a piece of silver. I don't know. You know, I'm just carrying the, the spitballing thing. Yeah. Oh, no, he's, he's, he, 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 that was the first thing that came into my head with regards to, to the spitballing, but that was the only reason that I changed it slightly was because I just, I don't know, I, I just think there's not enough interest in the Challenge Cup. But it may be a case that if that's moved further on into the season and made to be that spectacle game, that that may change. The only way we're going to find out is it being tried, and it's never going to be tried. So, you know, it is what it is, I guess. I think, I think, it's, I think it's a case of better the devil you do instead of better the devil you don't. In terms of they know the playoff weekend works, they know people buy tickets, they know it sells out. End of story. Why risk yeah. something that works? Case closed. From a business perspective, and that's, you know, it's not a dirty word. You wouldn't do it. It annoys me how, like, just how derogatory, how derogatory people find the term, like, like the business side of things from hockey. I just, I don't understand it. Like, we saw it a lot when, um, at the start of the season, with things going, you know, with things going on with 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 Tomo and obviously things like that for the Steelers. Um, it happened a few years ago when. We gave up the second leg of the playoff semi uh, playoff quarterfinals against Nottingham, and people were complaining and saying it was a monetary decision. And then there were people in the NIHL saying, "I'll oh, come to watch us because we actually care about our fans, and we, you're not just a, a number on a page." But I, I just think it's quite a naive thing to think. I, I'm completely going off track here, but I just think it's quite a naive thing for people to think that like it's not about the money. At the end of the day, people wouldn't be owning these hockey clubs if they weren't turning a profit. That's the whole point of owning them. Doesn't mean they don't care about the fans, but at the end of the day, the fans are what's what, what's adding padding to their pockets. It's the, it's the fans that are bringing in the money. It don't matter which league you, you watch your hockey. The owners, first and foremost, they want your money. But at the point you cross the door and you're in the arena, how they treat you then is completely different. But everybody, every league, they need the money. It keeps the teams running. It keeps everything flowing. It keeps the the team operating throughout the season. 
I've had a slight uh, think about it, and maybe what if you had, like, the playoffs the same, but still like a best of three, but if a team wins the first one, um, or you, you play a second one, and, and the team who, like, lost that one, lost the first one, so it's then drawn, they go into like, an, like a three-on-three overtime, sort of thing to decide who moves on then just get rid of that third or fourth game so you've got four games on that weekend that's the yeah that well that's another thing that I'd like us to do at the playoffs anyway I'd like us to get rid of that third or fourth game I just see it, it's, it, all it is is to justify what they're charging fans to go in for the playoffs and again it's not I, a, I've, sorry. I've got £20 saved for that third or fourth game to ensure bets are placed to, uh, under to over, weekend. under so, over. I think you're. I, I'm more than happy to support the third and fourth place game. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with you guys. It's not much of a game. I mean, the, the player will not be named. But I remember a few years ago, I, I, we was with some of the players and we were early hours of the morning and, and drinking spirits. He, this player ended up being the best player on the ice. And you know it's that it's that type of game. So, but from from a selfish monetary point, I'm more than happy to keep the third and fourth players game. Yeah, but then at the same time, I like the only reason that they keep the third and fourth place game is to justify the amount of money that people spend on tickets. Because if you were going, oh, I only get three games from that, then you'd be looking at well, what you know, maybe the tickets should be reduced in price. Realistically, ninety percent of the fans spend it in the pub. And that, us included, that is, that's not by any means saying it. And last year we spent it sat outside bunkers, drinking, watching the game on like a Facebook Live link that they put up. or So it was something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was on. It was a legit thing, but it was, we spent the whole time watching it on, we were sat like five minute walk away from the arena. And I mean inside the arena. And we're sat in the pub watching it on his phones just because there was no interest in the game. But I agree with you. Yeah, it's a it's a great one if you want to put it on under over on over X amount of goals. Then it's a yeah, it's a great idea. But other than that, I just I just see it as pointless. I I really do. It, my mind flicks back to a few years ago when Kevin Westgarth was playing in Belfast, and every time he stepped on the ice, people were cheering. And I just kind of sat in the building thinking, we're watching a third v fourth game in the playoffs, and right now the focus is on cheering every time an ex NHL player steps on the ring. Like, what is going on here? What, why, why am I sat here watching this? So, I, I don't know. It's, I just think that we need a shake-up on the playoff format, but it's probably not going to happen. So, we'll, we'll, we'll loop it back round. Loop it back round to, what, to, the, to the race for the playoff side of things because I've got a question regarding that. Um, obviously, Cardiff is sat in top position. They're trying to be the first team to do the three-peat in terms of the three league titles won. Do we think, for a start, I'll ask, I'll ask you both, do we think that Cardiff will win the league, yes or no? No. I think no, they will. don't. I hope they don't, but do you think they will? So I think that was a no from Dave yeah. and a yes from Andy. Yeah, that's correct. It's, I don't think they will. It's difficult to call. I mean, I... I I'd say yes, it's theirs to lose, and I think they've they've built the team to do it. And to be fair, as as hard as it'll be for us to see, just for a perspective of seeing a team do a three-peat, the only reason they'll do it is because they deserve it. They've, they've got the team, they've played the hockey, 
you don't become the team to beat over three years because you're lucky. There's a certain amount of luck in you. If you don't suffer as many injuries as other teams, if you get certain draws, fine. But you don't, you're not even in the hat for a three-peat if you've not got the right team. But the thing that I'd say is the race for the playoffs and, and what we've just been saying regarding you know, the potential for Coventry, Sheffield, Storm, Stars, Flames, all to kind of, even Flyers to throw in there, all to shift around in terms of positionings, really, really could be the undoing for Cardiff as well. Because Cardiff have still got to play Sheffield three times, they've got to play Belfast twice, so obviously Belfast are chasing for the title, Steelers are chasing for a, uh, a playoff position, Glasgow, they're playing three times, so Glasgow are trying to work their way up as high as they can in the table. They're currently in fourth. I can't see them missing out on a playoff spot myself, but you know they're still going to make sure they secure their position. Manchester twice, you're fighting for a playoff position. Coventry three times, you're fighting for a playoff position. Guildford twice, again, fighting for that position. Dundee once. And then obviously Milton Keynes is the only, the only other team they've got to play if they've got to play three times. And Milton Keynes right now are trying to make sure they win as many games as they can so they're not dead bottom of the league by a 10-point straight at the end of the season. So all of those, that's every single game that Cardiff have got left in the league. And that's every single team that, they've got, that they're playing are playing for something more than just let's finish as high as we can. Because 90% of those teams are fighting for a playoff spot. So it's all to play for. Yeah, I think Cardiff will do it, but it's theirs, it's theirs to lose. But if Belfast have got their eye on the game and some of these teams can knock some points off for Cardiff, it's anybody's game. They're both on 40 games. Cardiff currently up by five points. You know, that's 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 three games. They lose three games. Belfast win those games. We're in a different position. No, I'll say that if, if you know, Cardiff do do the three-peat, uh, as much as I don't think they will, you know, they'll have earned it. Um, you, you've got to be good to do to win a title. Never mind three times on the trot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, go. It's just something I say. It was something that popped in my head just before we started going on to how to restructure the playoffs. So it was quite a good way to circle back round and uh, kind of cap off the discussion on on the playoffs. Um, got a few things to look forward to next week. Um, I know, Dave, you and I are heading out towards Coventry to watch the first game for GB as a warm-up um, before Kasichi. Uh, that's GB v Riga. What, what do we make of that of that game? I'm looking forward to it, especially with the uh, the 2,000 uh, Dianamo Riga fans um, that will be in attendance. It's going to be an atmosphere to remember. Um, but I think it's, it's going to be good for Pete Russell to have a first look at his side, um, to see what is there, see what works, see what doesn't, see what he needs to pick for the next time. Um, and, you know, they will test well. Diana Riga are pushing for a playoff spot. So it's not like it's one of the worst KHL sides. <laughs> we say one of the worst KHL sides. But they're pushing for a playoff spot. So, you know, they're you know, going to give a GB a very good test. If not, it's going to be, the, you know, they're going to really give them a, a, a very good examination for what they're going to expect um, in Kasichi. Um the result don't matter. I think it's about performance. Um, and you know, so long as we get a good performance and gives us something to build on for the next games, which will be around um, I think maybe two months' time when they play Hungary and Italy in that tri-series um, in Coventry. Um, you know, 
it'll bear well. And it'll be a good you know, starting base for, for people still in, in selecting that final team that goes out to Casitri. I think it'll be a great game. Uh, I wish I was going. Uh, but obviously, it's a bit too late. I wasn't expecting the 2000 uh, Riga fans, but that's incredible for them. A lot of expats as well. Uh, so there'll be a massive support. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be a, a, a good game, really close. Uh, obviously, we'll like to see them games. Um, but yeah, just 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 really good test for GB, and hopefully they'll, they'll be able to to match them in some way. Absolutely. When when it was announced that um, that we got some some KHL teams, or uh, yeah, some KHL teams coming over to play, um, and now that well, one of our Mutual friends between the three of us said that oh it's going oh let's let's hope it's Riga and I, I genuinely I was hoping it was going to be Riga I'm just kind of hoping there's somewhere to buy a Riga shirt because I absolutely love their jerseys but um yeah it's a big good test for GB um going to be interesting to see the atmosphere in the Sky Dome um say with those two thousand fans that's pretty mental um so yeah I mean it's going to be an interesting game to see atmosphere wise to see how the uh, the GB boys play together early stages of the year in terms of international so obviously still battling it out against each other on the ice so it'll be interesting to see how they come together for that first game um as I say while while the, while the elite league season is so um fiercely ongoing so yeah it's going to be a great game to see um, be interesting to see what the result is hopefully we can get something out of it as a team like I say result isn't important but just getting something out of it between the boys will uh, certainly be good, a, good, a good starting point before Kasichi and if you haven't got a ticket for that game they are showing the webcast um, Coventry Blazers team are putting the game on a webcast I think it's only tenner um, so it'll be a good chance you know if, if to, to watch a, a KHL team um, and a decent you know, they, they won today um, in overtime uh, I didn't pick who they were playing um, but, you know it's going to be good hockey um, and you know like I said me and Joe are the lucky ones that we've managed to buy ourselves a ticket um, and we'll uh, head down to the Skydome we will one of the other things that I'm interested to see is the KHL is still probably one of the more major leagues that still like to see a bit of a a little bit of fisticuffs, shall we say? A little, a little bit of the drop gloves. They still like to see a lot of nice hits and a lot of nice fights in the in the KHL for the time to time. So it'll be interesting to see how they react to certain players on the GB squad as well. People like Farmer, who like to play the agitator role. It'll be interesting to see how he uh, how he plays that role when he's uh, when he's got a nice big KHL player turning around and battering him for it. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to see not just Farmer. I mean, obviously there's a number of players on that squad that that like to play that role where they get in the back pocket of uh, of the opposition, and it'll be interesting to see how they respond when you know the big hits start coming in the other way um in terms of other things to look forward to next week the day before um the game in coventry we also obviously have the big the, the awaited game that actually the only thing that we've all predicted as correct so far um is <laughs> the chl um final obviously for Lunder, um and red bulls uh we're gonna say salzburg then red bull munich could have just said could have just said Red Bull. I'd been right either way, then wouldn't I? Yeah, you'd been safe for Red Bull. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for London take on Munich in the CHL final. Um, Dave, we want to make this a little bit more interesting. Yeah, why not? I mean, we've mentioned it offline, so we'll, we'll mention it online, so it's, it's record and everything. So me and Graf, we predicted that Florida will win on home ice. Um, both you boys uh, think they're going to be uh, Red Bull taking the trophy back to Bavaria. So let's make this a little bit interesting. So. We've mentioned before in this podcast that all four of us 
are taking part in the, the UK charity all star weekend and all four of us are raising money for the British Art Foundation. So let's 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 put some money to our confidence. If for London to win the title, that the pair of you gents ensure that there's a a donation on mine and Gress page, let's say let's call it a fiver. If Munich do the same, if Munich take the trophy back to Bavaria, then me and Greff will do the same on your pages. Is so, that, you know, is that £5 each to each page? So if Rolunda win, then I have to put a fiver on yours and a fiver on Greff's? No. So you pick Greff's or you pick mine and then Andy picks the other? Fair play. I was going to say I'd put a fiver on each, but, you know, if, 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 if we put... <laughs> if at if the we end of the day, if we want to do one winner on this one, it's going to be the charity. So if you want to do that... Well, it's not up to me. It's, it's, it's a group there. I'm not being the only one that puts in double. <laughs> Do I stand to win from Nearly that? Nearly weren't there. Nearly weren't there. So let, let, let's keep it to them uh, five pound per person that one person puts on one page. And either way, you know, the British Art Foundation will be a ten pound up. I know Greff's up for this uh, this bet. Are you two gents up for it? Do you, do you have that belief, that full belief that uh, Red Bull Munich will be taking the trophy back to Bavaria? Well, well, that's my belief, but yeah, I'll do it. I was going to say, I think you used the phrase confidence. <laughs> you said we're going to put some money to our confidence based on our previous <laughs> predictions across the My Fancy Zamboni team. I don't really think confidence is the word to use, but... Um, I think the amount of better steps that we've done in putting money in our confidence is proof that actually, no, we're not good at the type of game, but, uh, but charity's going to win at the end of the day. This is true. No, I'm, I'm more than down for it. Um, I'd, I'd like to say we don't condone gambling or betting, please bet responsibly and all that malarkey. but every time we do predictions, we tell people not to put accumulators on it. So, uh, yeah, let's put his money where his mouth is and uh, we'll, see, we'll see who comes out on top. Well, obviously, BA Jeff will come out on top, but we'll see, who, uh, we'll see who's just giving pages a £5 heavier. Yeah, but just to go on the, on the CHL final, um, three hours, the home section, from tickets going on sale to selling out. Not the full of the blog, the Scandinavian. 13 and a half hours, and I think they kept about 700 tickets aside for the Munich fans. So we're talking just under 13,000 tickets sold three hours. The tickets were, well, how much were the tickets? Were about, 20, was it about 25 quid? Worked about £25 on, on a, a straight transact, uh, transfer of uh, to Swedish Crown to, uh, to British Crown. £25 for a, a CHL final. Crazy money. That's, that's the bargain of the century. Very- yeah, um, but you know, well done to the uh, you know the, the Fulunda fans for backing. You know, Swedish teams take a knock for not backing the tournament, but to do that in three three and a bit hours, that is a, that's a great effort. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching that game. I think there's going to be an atmosphere that will be remembered for a long time because if, if the Munich fans bring as many as they did to um, to Salzburg, I think it's going to be a loud night from start to finish. Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly going to be an interesting one. I'm looking forward to tuning in. Um, it is being shown on Free Sports. So, once again, if you are uh, a loose end on Tuesday, I think it's, it's quite a... Is it 10 to 6 or something along those lines there? 10, 10 to 6, the, the programme starts. Face-offs at 6 UK time. Sounds. So, if you're at a loose end, 6 o'clock next Tuesday. So, that's Tuesday the 5th of Feb. Tune into Free Sports. Listen to... Uh, the guy we had on the podcast a few episodes ago listened to Aaron Murphy and his commentary uh, and obviously enjoy a good game of hockey. Um, moving on from that to something, the uglier side of the sport for the time being, um, Dops have been in action over the last week. It's not a nice reason that they have been. Andy, do you want to fill us in and give us a bit more information on that? 
Yep. Um, Panthers 93, January Slint has been given, I think it's, is it a six game ban? Yeah. Uh, for a uh, blindside hit on uh, Evan Mosey. Uh, I have seen it. And yeah, it's it, it's very very ugly. It's 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 a blatant blindside hit, you know. There's uh, there's no time Moses could have reacted to get, to get out of the way or anything like that. It was just straight into the, into the head area of of Mosey, and uh, I think it, it's a good decision by Dops to uh, turn out that that ban. I. I don't have a problem with the ban. I mean, also, the ban's six games also as a repeat offender. Um, uh, Risen got a, um, a, a check to the head uh, penalty about suspension in the season against, uh, I think it was Martinelli. It was, yeah. Uh, against we, we scored a goal so, and then he planted yeah. his elbow in Martinelli's head after... after that's the... the one, yeah. Yes, yeah, that's it. So uh, that's why it's gone up to six games. Um, my, my, I don't have a problem with the ban. I think it's further proof that the game's changed. Because that hit 10 years ago, maybe five years ago. Player crossing the tracks, defender stopping the, stopping the player. That, that, that period of time ago, good hit. Defenseman doing his job. What people would have said now, 10 years ago is, why was the pass made from Morissex? It was a suicide pass. Precisely. Precisely, you know. M- M- Mosey was put in, you know, in a predicament by his... Um, as team it now reverting back slightly you don't want to see a player hit and hurt um, you don't want to see a player hit you know with the, the primary contact the first point of contact being the head area, the head area or the neck area which the angles I've looked at and I've tried to look at as many as possible what's available I think it appears to be that it is the, the first point of contact is the head neck area the game now that's that's, that's just the big no you know, it's look. He's trying to look after the players. He's not making the game soft. It's just, you know, common sense. You know, if it's, if it's a good shoulder to shoulder injury, sorry, hits. My apologies. Then there's nothing wrong at all. Um, I mean, the photos of Moses the day after when um, he'd, uh, he'd he'd got released by uh, I think it's the, the Queen's Medical uh, Centre at Nottingham. He, he looked in a bad way um, in terms, of, you know, you know, well bruised. So. As much as the defender will be trying to do his job, I think it just proves that when you're going for the good hits, we talk when I say good hits, we're talking the big hits that people get off the seats and cheer. You know, them them type hits. It's split second decision. The timing has to be spot on. If your timing's off, then it's a difference between two games, four games, six games. There you, you find margins, and I think this hit is one of them. Um, you know, the main thing, you know, twofold, as a hockey fan and as a GB fan, you want to see Moses back playing. Um, and, you know, again, we, I mean, we've seen a few hits over the season, a few players being suspended, just not timing the hit. You know, the hits are there to be made, it's just timing. And I, I think this one, uh, it's, it's not a good hit, he's timed it badly. And it, with him being a repeat offender, yeah, six games probably around that mark. Yeah, Nottingham have gone out and said that they disagree. They wanted to appeal. Um, current league structure is that you can't appeal a ban under eight games. I, I, it kind of baffled me that he went out and said that in the press. I mean, uh, one side of things I like the fact that they're showing 
that they are fighting their cause. But the other side of things, at the end of the day, Mosey, ex-Panthers player, really, really bad way, clearly, on the ice. I mean, he was struggling to, to, to make his way off the ice with two guys like holding him up, um, you know, following the incident. I, I just kind of think, I just don't know why you'd just go out. And they actually specifically said in that article that it was a clean hit as well. I just... In today's game, and I agree with you, Dave, you know, it, 10 years ago, it would have been a different story. Um, you know, maybe even still considered as a, as a bad hit, but you would have seen more, um, you know, more policing on the ice. And a player wouldn't be making a pass for his own player to cut in through the offensive zone like that with a player coming in from the blind side. I just thought Morissette just set him up to fail then. And the worst thing about it was, is Morissette looked at the incident and didn't even bat an eyelid. He didn't even think, oh, I'm going to go in and jump in after their guy. To give the extra ban, I mean, Lane Ormer came off the bench and has been given a three-match ban for fighting against Rissling following the hit. Uh, why? There were four of the guys in the rink. There were four of the guys yeah. for Cardiff on the ice, and Lane Ulmer had to come off the bench to police a hit being made on his own guy when his own guy can't even stand up. Well, that was a bizarre one, because he came off the ice to help mosey off and then went and I, I asked the question but I you know the oldest guy certainly in that sort of line of, of players shall we say to do the, the policing was a bit surprising but going on back on what you mentioned about the, the Nottingham article I'm, I'm going to throw this question to you two guys I, I read it it baffled me and some of the content was a bit you was it there? Was the content put in to appease their fans? You know, saying it's a clean hit, we couldn't, we'd like to, we'd like to appeal this, but we can't. You know, was it a bit of a, a, a let's appease the fans? Because you look, I mean, it's a terrible gauger, but social media, you look at the Nottingham fans, and when I'm saying this, I'm not saying that the Panthers fans are wrong. In, in, in civil, a lot of them said it was a clean hit. So that's, that's the general gist of what, you know, gauging from social media. So did the Panthers go, you know, you know, shall we try and appease our fans? You know, we we agree with you guys. We tried we tried to fight the corner. Legal say we can't. I I don't know. I I would have thought logically if you still look at that argument, I would have thought turning around and saying we think this is a clean hit. We'd like to appeal, but we can't. If anything stirs the pot more. Because it then fuels the fire for their fans, not only to go, well, he's been given a six-match ban and we think it's clean, but then the fans that are saying that are then going, well, people at the club are saying it's clean, so it must be clean, and also we're not allowed to appeal it, so uh, now it's all the league's fault. I just, I don't know, I, I agree with what you're saying, but I think logically that kind of forward thinking would, if anything, stir the pot rather than appease. Yeah, exactly. As, as as Joe just said, you know, it's if if a team's saying something that another team's saying different. So it's, if it's different on both sides, and obviously the the fans of that team who's who said, "Oh, it's this and this," they're going to believe the team. And I don't think it's particularly right. I think they should have um, probably refrained from uh, giving their opinion of it. I think they should have just said, "Oh, we're going to." Put this into dops and see what happens. See what happens next. You know, I think they should should have done that way, but not explain that. Oh, it was it was this and this and this. When obviously the other side are going to tell it different. So what side are you supposed to believe? It's up to dops to decide what what it's classed as. 
it was clean, if it was not clean, and how they're going to deal with it. So they should have, I think, just left it as we're putting a claim in, you know, and then we'll see what happens. I think they should have just left it that instead of just, you know, as Joe sister in the pot. I also think, I mean, yeah, there's a number of things about this that irk me. I, uh, for a start, I just think, the pro- the thing is, Nottingham are complaining about it. When you generally see DOPS reviews, and I honestly don't know the answer to this, when you see DOPS reviews, a lot of the time, so if it's, let's say the hits happened in Sheffield, just as an example, because we've got num- numerous cameras around the rink, a lot of the time on the DOPS reviews, you get three or four angles of the same hit. Just to show you, this is what happened. It happened with the um, the slash on uh, the slashing penalty uh, ban for Finucci earlier in the season. It shows you one angle of it from the front and then one angle of it from the side. So that to me suggests that when they're doing those dots reviews and they're putting that video out to su- to explain the hit, that to me suggests that they're using all the footage available and showing all the angles available on the hit to explain. Nottingham are going out and complaining that the hit was given a six-match ban. And the honest answer from that angle is, you cannot tell 100% if the, the first point of contact was the head. The first thing that snaps, the first thing that moves, is his head. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's for the first point of contact. It may mean that at the last minute, Ristling looked up, saw... Sorry, um... Mosey looked up, saw Ristling coming in, and moved his, tried to move his head out of the way because he was already in a position he couldn't move. So he might have snapped his head to try and avoid the head contact. And then the shoulder-to-shoulder head com- hit comes in, he snaps his head back just because of the movement and then bangs his head on the ice. You don't know. For me, if you're going to argue it, you've got to have more angles on the video available. Why is there only, Why is there only that one? Didn't Finucci, didn't that other angle, did it come from the goal camera? It might have it done, I, from, I can't remember. Did it come from behind the goal, or it appeared to be behind the, the fir- goal? So... Yeah, the first one came from behind the goal, but it showed the... Yeah, the first no, was, the first angle was the first from the angle side. Was the main footage on the, yeah. the webcast. Yeah, and it showed you the hit, and then, it, and then it carried on following the play rather than the, the afterwards, and then the play moved to behind the goal, at which point... Yeah, so it probably was the not the, not the goal line technology cam, but the actual camera behind the goal for the to show the footage for the goals more than likely because yeah you could see the net in the video if memory serves me right but at least they've got another angle available like I, I your just... point also your point is right um you know you need the more angles um and i know you know andy's mentioned it on a number of times on the podcast where you know, you know the more angles you have like you said there it we, I think we were talking about webcasts in general but you know the more angles you have you, you add to the the show as it were but the same thing you can say about here, you know, Sheffield have it and they use it in offer to the league. So, you know, maybe, maybe not, not try to get my my apologies, maybe not even should do the same and offer, you know, especially when that game was actually being broadcast. Um, yeah. No street streamed on YouTube. Have the additional uh, camera angles. May have shown a, a better picture. Yeah, I think it would have. Um, yeah, just like I said before, the, the more angles you have, the more definitive proof you have on something. So, more often than not, if, if, you, if you're given one angle, as dots, if you're given one angle to go off, and it's a bit grainy, not, not the best of quality, how are they supposed to to come up with something if the pitch quality is not very good, if it's like one angle from the other where 
you know, the play could have been on, on the other side. It, it could have been not facing the camera. It could be facing the other way, and you wouldn't have been able to tell either, like, at all. So they definitely should have more angles of that covered, like, on both sides. Down the goal, has got one, like, like, like five views for, for, for the Fenucci slash. Um, yeah, just, just, just more angles gives, gives that bit more definitive, you know, as, as to how they can handle a situation and, and deal with it best. If you had a, an angle from the flip side to the angle that was shown on that video, you would have seen straight away, you'd have been able to tell where that first point of contact was because you'd have been able to see the side of the player that was hit. As it was, we got a play, we got a, we got a video from behind. And at the end of the day, if you're Dops, you're looking at that going, the hit resulted in an injury for a player that looked significantly bad. I mean, it's all right saying oh, he went off and he came back two shifts later, but he, he couldn't stand. He didn't know what day of the week it was. Um, you know, so you've got that. You've got the fact that he was a repeat offender. Everything points to the fact that that was a head check. And that's the problem. You can't look at the video because the video doesn't definitively show you that there was the head contact. But either way, it was it was a bad hit. It was a bad pass from Morissette because it was a suicide pass. The other thing that... I said there was a couple of things about this that irked me, and this is the other thing that irked me. Um, 99% of the time, in that situation, the referee would send off the player that's made the hit. And I'm not necessarily saying that a player should be sent off for a hit if the player deems it, if the referee deems it as clean. But it was blatantly obvious that somebody at some point was going to go after wrestling. And you saw it in the Nottingham Steelers game when Armstrong crashed into Beekman. It was uncertain then as to what had happened, and there's still debate. Some people say it was Armstrong, others say it was the Nottingham defender. The referee, straight away, Armstrong, you're going, because you've just wiped out the opposition's netty. Um, same when Rutherford went down following a, a, a clash with, was it Debian when he went down and ended up going off, off on a stretcher? Debian was sent off straight away without them even really talking together to figure out what happened, because they know players gone down, the rest of his team's going to want retribution. What did the, the referees did nothing. The referees stopped the play, went, oh, okay, there's been a hit, Mosey's down, get Mosey off, carry on. So, A, a Cardiff player should have straight away gone up to Wrestling if they thought it was a bad hit, because I don't see why four players on the ice have ignored it, and B, for me, the referees could have done more to prevent Ulmer from stepping off the, rink and, uh, stepping off the bench and, and trying to take some, some justification for himself. Yeah... Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, if the referees deemed it was a clean hit, maybe whilst he was being seen getting most uh, getting treatment, maybe they should have got him on onto the bench, so he was away from the action, so no one could. Yeah, have, yeah I'm you know, not even necessarily. Yeah, that may have happened one shift, two shift, three shifts later, but then you know it didn't happen. The power keg moment didn't happen because it led to a bit of a line draw. Yes, yeah. the fight happened. Um, so maybe you know, maybe it should have. But it's, it's, a, it's, a diff, it's a difficult one in respect of, um, you know, because they've not called it. Had the penalty been called, they could have easily just, you know, yeah. dragged him into the penalty box, just stay there. No one's going to go for it. And if they are, they're thinking, looking at five, ten games, so it's stupid for a player to try and uh, go into the box and hit the player. Um, so, yeah, you know, hindsight's wonderful. Um, 
um, and maybe you know next time. I think it was it was Darnell and, and Copeland. Honestly, I'm it was not Copeland sure. three. So you know, ha, you know, if that scenario happens again, maybe next time, you know, and this is not a knock on you know on, on either referee because they may have the primary focus will have probably been on the uh, the, the health and, and, and fitness of Mosey at that particular moment in time. Um, and then by the time it's kind of all happened, it's a bit late to you know to, to try and draw it back. So you know, it, it's happened. It's it is one that I can in some way you're coming from, um, but. One of the one of the challenges that referee does have, you know, he's he's dealing with so many things at the same time. It's a bit of a, a plate spinning exercise, and uh, you now as it leads to a bit of a line ball, you know, a few mm. of the plates drop. It is. I mean, I, I appreciate. I'm not. It's not. I'm not necessarily trying to have a dig at the ref. I appreciate it. They, it's a difficult job that they do, and they've got to make a decision based on something they've seen in a split second. They don't have the video footage. Um, and as I say, it's not a dig at the referees. It just, and as you say, hindsight's a marvellous thing. The only thing for me is, I mean, the play was on the player with the puck. So at least one referee, if not both, should have been watching. Um, you see a guy, I mean, the contact wasn't great, was it? The, the hit comes in. It was pretty much, it looks pretty much the exact same as the, as the hit from Tyson Marsh. Um, was it last season or the season before? Before he ended up getting battered. The season before. And, yeah. It looked very, very similar to that hit, but the contact either way didn't look good. Straight away, you thought... I mean, when I first watched it, without a replay, without anything, just on first watch, my first thought was, that's a dirty hit. And it just baffles me that nothing at all was called on that in the slightest, whether that be a charging call, whether that, you know... Generally speaking, some of the hits that you see penalised in this league, and then it baffles me that a referee, at least one of the referees, should have seen that hit. It baffles me that not a single penalty was even deemed to be necessary on that. But it's, it's, as you say, if they don't, if they don't see a penalty, they don't see a penalty. That's that's the end of it. It's clear cut. So I was going to mention this actually with uh, Dave used to about Ulmer leaving the bench, we'd help the player, and then starting a notification. Um, if you follow Twitter, I'm sure you've all, you've all seen Infinity's uh, Ryan Finney's <laughs> tweet. Yes. Um, and he's, he's saying that uh, Cardiff, because of their antics on the bench, that because they because Lord couldn't control his bench, he wasn't given a fright like Affinity was uh, like when he, when they played Guildford a bit earlier than the season. Uh, so Affinity was given uh, a fine for not controlling the bench, but Lord wasn't in a similar sort of situation. So do you think Finnish's got a point there? I, I think... do. Sorry, go on. I, I do think he's got a point. Um, Ryan's got about it. The only way Ryan knows how to go about it. Um, brilliantly. I, I, I think, he, well, <laughs> brilliantly, but maybe the wrong channel. You know, but, you know, his, the point's made. Um and you know, you, you you know what 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 have we mentioned many times? What the referees talk about is consistency. And if you look at it in the you know in, as, as two clear examples, it's not consistent. You know, I, I'm not saying that you know the, the whole book should be thrown at Lord, but very much a warning. You because know, like I said, he's come off and then he's gone into you know to start uh, an altercation which led to a line brawl. So you know that is very much equal to what. You know what happened in that Guildford game. Um, I, I, maybe I'd, I'd have made it more sort of uh, just official lines, 
Um, but, you know, Ryan is, as, as we all know, Ryan is as Ryan, and he'll do, he has, he has his unique way of doing things, shall we say. Yeah, I agreed. I agreed with what he said. Um, it was the 30th of October that the decision came from Dops with regards to the Flames Storm game. Um, just looking at it, it was Dallas Earhart got a one-match ban for being third man into an altercation, um, and Declan Balmer got three matches for the first person to leave the bench, uh, and obviously Finner got a £1,000 fine um, and was, was obviously put on well he would be considered a repeat offender if it happened again so he was warned for that and obviously it was, to say, it was for not controlling his team the only thing that I'd say is I don't think he's picked his timing very well I don't know if it's because it's a more high profile game because obviously the game itself was you know the top team Cardiff are the big dogs the team to beat at the moment and obviously Nottingham are always up there on the, one of the teams you expect to finish in the top half of the league at least so it was a high-profile game. There was obviously the incident like later on. So after the incident um, in which Finner had the £1,000 fine, but before the incident with Wrestling, um, in the Lightning Clan game, where Cole Shudra got a, um, a three-match ban for leaving the bench. Um, I actually ended up with a five-match ban, but it was three for leaving the bench and then two, match, two matches for a one-man fight. There was no warning for the for the MK bench or the MK coach at that point, so I just think I don't I wonder I wonder if Finn has raised it now because of the the higher profile of the game or if it's just the, the other one breezed past. I'm not sure, but there was no warning given to the the, the coach in that game either. Uh, but either way, consistency says both both of those incidents, the MK Glasgow and then obviously the Cardiff Nottingham games should have um, you know should have seen a little bit more consistency and should have seen some kind of warning and fine given to the coach yeah for me it, it, it's got the same if, if you're calling one game one thing you've given the, the ban for basically the same thing that, that's happened in Cardiff uh, sorry in, in Nottingham against Cardiff then surely the same thing should be carried on again you can't just call one different you know give the coach a fine that control the bench in this game but in this game we're not going to do it Basically, when the player did exactly the same thing, I think the only reason why I finished sucking on Twitter is because he has emailed Dobbs on a number of occasions, but uh, he's not got a response. So I do think that if they did respond to his email uh, and just said that, look, no, no, we can, I'm just giving a reason as to why they've, they've done this or not done this, he wouldn't have had to take it to Twitter. But I think if Dobbs were a bit more more responsive uh, with, with the emails like that they're getting, I think he wouldn't have had to take it to Twitter. Uh, I won't have to use that platform, but for me, it's it's got to be called the same. You, you can't call one game differently to another one in the same sort of aspect of the situation. Yeah, I, I, I still think he could have maybe gone, you know, the board meeting. You know, Manchester will have a representative there. Um, maybe himself as general manager, because I'm, I'm pretty sure he's general manager and coach in, in Manchester. So maybe he'd have had the avenue there. Well, he certainly has. Maybe he's not the representative, but he hasn't uh, someone there from the storm that could have raised the, the point. So it would have been, you know, at least minuted and it's all, you know, documented. And I think, I understand he's emailed them and not got a response. Again, just for me, it's, it's sometimes you just have to do things the right way. Um, okay, he kind of smoothed it out a little bit, saying, yeah, I'm not going to get fined, I'll, I'll get to charity. That was just the perfect end to a great tweet. Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> I, I just, 
there's better ways he could have done it. But, you know, it's happened. And uh, maybe they respond to him. Who knows? Yeah, I, I I wonder if he's if he's raised it at previous board meetings and uh, and that's one of the other reasons he's done it. But either way, I, I agree with you. I'm not I'm not as much as it makes me laugh. I agree with you. There were, there's a way way and means of doing it, and that wasn't it. But it it still made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's 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 right to a T. Bless yeah. him. Um, the one thing that we will say, obviously, from everybody at my, at my fancy Zamboni, obviously, we hope, uh, wish Evan Mosey a speedy recovery. It really, really didn't look good when he was going off the ice. I haven't seen the pictures of him afterwards, but he, it really, really didn't look good as he was skating off the ice. His knees buckled and nearly took the two guys down with him uh, that, were, that were holding him up and taking him off. So, all the best to him in the speedy recovery. Yeah, uh, definitely. Not, not even in mind for Kasichi. Obviously, everybody hopes that he's going to be able to play for GB and Kasichi, but it's never nice to see a player go down like that anyway. So, you know, no, not at all. Um, you know, we all wish him a speedy recovery from that. Um, moving on to something more positive, particularly if you are a Giants fan. Dave, there's been a lot of news about Colin Shields recently. Do you want to fill us in? Yes, he got an assist on, I think it was the second Giants goal in Milton Keynes, um, one of their nine goals. Um, however, huge importance for that goal, because that, take, that took him to number one spot in the all-time point scorer in the Elite League, uh, overtaking David Clark, I believe. Um, 661 games, 291 goals, 441 assists to make the 732 points. Point Scott were playing for Belfast, Newcastle and Sheffield. Um, you know, the, the guys had accolades left, right and centre. He's won championships with with Belfast. He's the, the record goal scorer for Great Britain um, and picking up gold medals in the past two years. Um, what more can you say about the kid? He's, uh, he's, he's certainly uh, done, you know... Words, words you lose, you know. He has absolutely put himself there as one of the legends of the game in this country. Um, and congratulations on the taking the, the accolade. Yeah, absolutely. He's also, I believe, one of the the oldest player in the league at 39 years old uh, this year. That's based on elite prospects, so please don't crucify me if I've got that wrong. But <laughs> 39 years old, I believe he's, he is he is the or at least one of the oldest players in the league. Fantastic um, achievement. Um, obviously, as you say, to overtake. Uh, it was uh, Ashley Tate was second again, according to Elite Prospects. Ashley Tate was second in terms of points. Um, David Clark currently leads with goals for the league, but obviously Colin Shields now leads with points, as you say, Dave. Um, absolutely fantastic. Um, there's, there's not really much more that you can say. Um, you know, the guys. The guy's been around. For what what feels like forever, um, you know his name always crops up on in the games that, that you're playing against Belfast. Remember the time that he played for Sheffield for for a short period of time and, and really showed some class there. So um, really, really well deserved and uh, yeah, fantastic. And also, an NHL draft pick by the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, yeah, I believe so. I believe two thousand. Two thousand round six, one hundred and ninety fifth overall. So, uh, you know, like we've always said, um, if you're going to get their records, you've done well, and congratulations. Yeah, it's fantastic. Colin, he's, he's done amazing things, not, not just for Belfast and the Giants, but for, for Great Britain as well. You know, he's 
if it's going to answer to one of the nicer guy, you know, he's is very uh, he's very uh, great with their fans in Belfast and around the UK as well. Um, he's a really approachable guy, and uh, you know, just this couldn't happen to a better to a better kind of guy. And uh, you know, massive congratulations, congratulations to him. Uh, you know, he's he's been around a long time, uh, and uh, you know, it, it was always. Uh, as a Steelers fan, I mean, heartbreaking. Uh, ever since he, he went back to Belfast, uh, time for against Steelers, he, he, he scored. So, yeah, but um, yeah, yeah just, just fantastic for Colin. How many game winners has he scored against us since he left us? Far oh, too many, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, too many. But it's, a, it's the caliber of the guy he is. It's the, it's the yeah. shows the skill that he has, and uh, yeah, we 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 just look. We had him for a short period of time, but uh, legend of the game. Um, was it yeah absolutely I, I, I apologize it appears I may have got stats wrong from elite prospects because I don't think these are right in the slightest so but either way yeah for, <laughs> I, um, yeah a, a fantastic accolade as I said not, not not much more to say he's, he's done the country's proud in playing for GB he's done his team proud playing for Belfast and obviously you know he, he doesn't look like he's uh, like he's done yet either um Moving then from Colin Shields, we move towards the latter end of the podcast. Dave, we have had a few questions this week. We do. We have indeed. Now, first of all, we had a question about the the, the risen hit from on, on Twitter via Steal the Puck. I hope the discussion kind of answered uh, your thoughts there. Um, one of the questions we had from. Um, uh, Jack Dale, uh, thank you very much uh, for posting the the question on the uh, on one of the Facebook groups. Um, bit of a double edged sword on this one. So, if if the Steelers don't make the playoffs, would that help the British players for the World Championships in terms of recovery and being able to prepare for the World Championships? And if we were to think that that would be the case, does it change the attitude towards wanting Sheffield to win? Andy, I'll let you take uh, this first. I'll put you on two first before I answer that. Andy, I'll let you go first, I'll... mate. I, I, I'm formulating in my head. Um, it's it's hard to say because you know the, the playoffs in total is is a four game. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's four games in the playoffs. So realistically. The, G- the British players on the team will play three games, but it might even come to that for a lot of them. As is now, you just don't know who's going to who's going to move on to semi final and the final. So I don't think it really matters. It's, it's not like it's you now five, six, or seven games before. I don't think it would make much difference, to be honest. But it, it's a hard one. It, it's a good question. Uh, it, it is a hard one for us as well because it, it it could go either way. I mean. Maybe something differently. Some, some. It's hard to say, basically. <laughs> no, it certainly is. I, I agree. Um, four games in a playoff series isn't going to change the world. Um, yes, would they be a little bit fresh if they didn't play those four games? Arguably, yes. The flip side argument is um, it's four games that they've not been playing. So I guess you know if they stay more active, then they may go into it a bit. You know, hit the ground running when they, when they get to Kasichi. Um, I guess the argument to it having some benefit is it's four more games in which they could get injured. 
but it, as you say, it's four games. It's not like we're playing a best of seven series against four teams and playing twenty eight games. It's it's four games. The flip side as well for me. I mean, you're looking at the looking at the teams that we're fighting against for those slots. I mean, Manchester Storm obviously got players like Mike Hammond that that you would expect to see in the GB roster. Um, Guildford people like Ben Davies. Um, Coventry Blaze, I believe Ben Ben Lake is is eligible, isn't he for um, for GB selection? So players like that. I mean, he's in the squad to play against Riga. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, yes, I, I see the argument. Obviously, you've got Robert Dowd, who's currently injured anyway for the Steelers, but then obviously like Jonathan Phillips, Davy Phillips, uh, Ben O'Connor. So there are a number of Brits that you would expect to see in the GB lineup playing in Sheffield, but. <sighs> I wouldn't say it changes my opinion personally. It's a great question, and it certainly is food for thought. But I wouldn't say it changes my opinion on wanting the Steelers to make playoffs because, as you say, four games isn't going to change the world. And also, you're going to have players in every team competing for a GB, uh, competing for a playoff spot that are wanting a GB slot as well. So it's going to affect whoever makes and doesn't make playoffs. For me. I want to see the British players play as much competitive hockey as they can before the first game against the Germans in Kasichi. Um Four games, it gives them that... As, obviously not the skill set level of the world champs, but it's going to give them that atmosphere of a world champ in terms of you know having to win to you know to get points to to stay in the group. So it's going to give them that that kind of a, a bit of a simulation of terms of the pressure that they're going to be under. So I want to see them. I want to see them play as many as possible. Um, so I, I don't think it will change them because they're going to have another four games um, potentially to play after the playoffs: um, Hungary, Italy, and the two games against Torpedo. Um, would it change my attitude? No. Um, for me, as much as I, I, I have a, a GB hat on, and I'm, I think Gref would say the same in terms of looking at different players, um, you know, players you haven't mentioned, Joe, because you have a long list of players who you'd have the same argument, yeah. you know, Karen Long, uh, Paul Swindlers, uh, for example. Um, um, is you are still a club fan. You are a club fan and you are a GB fan at the same time. When it comes to this time of the year, your club, your club fan cap comes off at the point your season finishes. That's how that may sound. So at that point, you want your club to do well. You want your club to be in as, as deep in the competition as possible. So would I want to see the Steelers lose to help the British players? You know, we're talking 4-5? No. Because I don't think there's, like you say, if it was a best of four, sorry, best of seven in four, four rounds of it, hugely different argument. But for the amount of games that they're going to play in the playoffs, no. Risk of injury, of course. But then there's risk of injury in training. And as much as what I'm going to say now is not aimed at the question, but you're never going to cancel training because of a risk of injury. So these things happen. Um, so... I don't think it'll. I don't think it'll help them. It may make it may freshen up a little bit, but not much, because in years gone by, as soon as, literally as soon as the playoff playoff weekend's finished, by Monday they're travelling to training camp, and whether they're on the ice either Monday night or Tuesday morning, so they may have a day off, and then they're back to it. 
So it may just give him a few days rest. Mm. It's also from like, yeah. like last year as well, and you know the the two previous years where they won gold. You know, it's it's been the same sort of thing that they play those twelve twelve games and they got back to back promotions. So in that respect, I don't I think it will will affect. Here's the weird thing about it. We're used to the World Championships in terms of Great Britain's participation. We're used to it at the back end of April. Yeah, now we're now we're at the... This time, it's in May. It's in May. Um, and we're talking two and a half weeks, but mid-May. You know, like I say, our first game's May the 11th. So, you know, there's a lot of time between the 15th of April, which I believe is the Monday... And correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. Okay, I've got a no. card in front of me. Um, yeah, that's right. Between them and a the four games, and then the World Championships, there's plenty of time for a a player to get to you know get an injury, which we hope no players do. Um, but also plenty of time for players to get you know get some ice time under them in times of practice, in terms of you know individual preparation. Um, there's, there's far too much time uh, between them, you know, for it to make a difference, in my opinion. Um, but you know, like, like you both said, it is a good question. But I think had it been like one A, one B, where it is, so you you have one playoff weekend that weekend, the week after, it's a couple of one games, and the week after that, you're in your first game of the World Champs, maybe. But there's a couple, there's two or three more weekends afterwards. So, and there may be even, and there's rumours that there may be even a game in Slovakia before the World Champs as a last-minute preparation to the tournament. I'd be down for a trip to Slovakia. <laughs> so damn it. Wouldn't, wouldn't be the first international trip for uh, just a, a game of hockey that we've done. No. But uh, uh, no, it's uh, very much... Uh, so thanks, Jake. So Jack, my apologies. Good question. Um you know, Jay, Jack, you know, all the same, tomato, tomato. Um, another question we've had. Um, should referees, and I believe, Joe, you kind of, this is your question. Yeah, this is my question. question. I should meant to bring it up earlier, but I forgot. I'll do, it for, I'll do it for you. So, should referees be more lenient in the last two minutes and in overtime if the game goes into it? Now, this is based on some of the comments uh, from Steph Hogarth, who was mic'd up in last night's game, where memory serves were right, it was a case of, you both, I'm paraphrasing here, you both at it, but if you carry on being stupid, I'm going to call you the last minute and it's going to hurt you. I'm, I'm, you know, is that the type of area you're looking at, Joe, with that question? Yeah, I mean, I never heard him say it. I, 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 I heard him say to a guy complaining about a bit of a rough behind the net, and I heard him say, I'm not going to call the second if I'm not calling the first, a.k.a. you're asking for me to call the retaliation when I've not called you for a penalty. I've seen on social media since a few people just saying, um, oh, they said that they weren't going to call penalties in the last minute or two. I didn't hear it. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I didn't hear that. Um, But it just kind of got my brain ticking. And and you do generally see things going amiss in the last minute or in overtime of a game that you don't see in the middle stanza of the game, as an example. I hate that phrase. Why have I just said stanza? In, you know what I mean? In the middle stint of the game, or in, like, say, the, you know, the first two periods, you don't always see the same penalties called that you'd see in the last five minutes of the third. Just because everything's nice and tense, particularly if it's a one-goal game and everything's in it, you know, sometimes you see things go. And, yeah, I mean, I, I've said it before. 
when I've when I've seen people appealing for like a light hook that would have been called ten minutes into the first period, when I've seen people appealing for it in three on three overtime, and I've said he's never going to call that in overtime. It just kind of made me think, you know, it'd be quite a good question to raise: is should that be the case, or should it be consistently called in the first minute and the last minute? You could argue that it should be a consistent. What happens in the first minute should happen in the fifty-eighth minute. For years, in the last two minutes of overtime, unless it's mass pillaging, the referees ain't going to call a thing. They let the players decide. Now, is that right or wrong? That's an interpretation. That's it depends on what you think. If if you want the if want the full pure consistency, they should do. But I. I, I, I'd love to know if they, when they started calling it in that period of time. I know, I know at, at different levels of the game that you do see more calls. Sort of the international games, you will see calls. Um, I know in the the Continental Cup final, um, the final game between Belfast and Ireland, I think Belfast ended up on a 5-3 in the last five minutes. Belfast and Ireland also had power plays, to, yeah, had power plays in overtime. So the high, the, the, the kind of the, the games you go in terms, in terms of you know, European competition and international, you may see that. But, you know, the thing is, if referees call it, the same fans will probably say, oh, referees decided the game, the referees decided the game. When in fairness, he's, he's kind of going, OK, I'm not going to let the players, I'm going to let the rule book dictate. You, you can't have both, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, for me, it's, it depends on what sort of situation it is. If, if it's two players that like just taking a, a, a whack ass up at each other, then just give them a warning. No, just, just just let play go, give them a warning, and then leave that. But if it's a situation where it's putting a player... Where it, it, if it's one player putting another player in a serious situation of a risk of injury, or it, it was a... You know, a a blatant attempt to injure someone, if that's the time to call penalties. If it's putting someone at risk, or if it has put someone at risk, that's when it should be called. But if, if it's, you know, if, if it's just some, some light tax wax, or, or between two players who are both doing the same to each other, just give them a warning and carry on the game. That's, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I like the fact that they don't call things in the last minute. I, I guess it's one of the reasons that I kind of thought of the question because I do like that. I like the fact that the last minute or two of reg and the last, you know, the five minutes of overtime, you don't really see those penalties called. I agree with you, Andy. You know, if it is a, if it's a, you know, a drastic penalty, if it's a boarding call or a checking from behind, check to the head, even if it's things like a trip on a guy who's clear on net or something blatant, then it should be called. But you know, if we're talking like a little glove slash or a little a little hook that doesn't pull a guy back and, and stop him from really doing anything. If it's something that you'd have seen in the first ten minutes where a guy gives a guy a bump when he's off the play or something like that, then just leave it. Why are we letting that kind of thing decide the game and also destroy the flow of the most interesting part of the game? The last minute of a game when it's a one-goal game or the, or the five minutes in a three-on-three overtime, you're sat on the edge of your seat. It, it, the whole part, the whole experience of that part of the game is, is nail-biting. And that just dies when you're stopping every 30 seconds because the referee's called another penalty. And I, you know, if it's by the book, it's by the book. If they want to call it, that's fine. I have no issues with referees calling lots of penalties or few penalties as long as they call it consistently on both sides. I don't care. 
But when you're in the last five, when you're in five minutes of overtime and you've seen a guy get called for a little glove slash off play, and then thirty seconds later the same thing happens again, so he calls that, and then he's calling things every twenty seconds because little infractions are taking place. You've just killed the momentum of what could have been one of the best moments of hockey that year, because that's how good and how exciting that five minutes of three on three OT is. Or the, or the last minute of uh, the last minute of the game when a goalie's pulled and everything's on the line. It's funny what you're just saying because the point I was just, just about to raise. I don't know if you ought to remember what when the Elite League went to a full zero tolerance. So the NHL and the WHF brought it in themselves, and then the Elite League followed a couple of years later. And the amount of uproar of all these penalties, all these penalties, but doing the exact same thing. Mm. So you know, I, I just. I, I just it was funny that he was saying that, you know, the constant complaint of the, the flow being interrupted. When we did try that, was zero tolerance. Fans didn't like it because of too many penalties. So, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's six one half to the other. If they both cross, if they both cross checking each other in the front, you know, when you see people battling, as long as there's no injury, like Andy said, I think Andy's point's superb in terms. Of, as long as there's no injury or direct impact onto the goal, yeah. should we say? Then yeah, I don't believe it. If they're both battling, if they're both you know, kicking lumps out of each other. So long as it's not, you know, proper dangerous and we're talking, you know, they could injure and take the player out of the game full top. Joe Grimaldi style throwing helmets at each other. Yeah, I think that's the type of stuff you, yeah, you, you, you call them ones. But they uh, it's any stick dangerous. Very dangerous <laughs> and we all know it's dangerous. Well, let's just leave it at that, shall we, Andrew? I remember in the uh, in the NHL at the start of last year in the preseason, and they they decided they were going to call every slash and every face-off violation. It got ridiculous. It took about forty minutes to finish a period Whoa. of hockey. No, I, we we actually watched one of the games. I can't, yeah, I can't like remember what it was. We were like an hour and fifteen. It was. It I was. I want to say New Jersey, Carolina. But we were like an hour and fifteen. Yeah. For one for the first it was period. Baffling how long now, it, it was. If, if fans want that. Fine. But then you don't say you want it and then complain when your teams get penalised for it. Because, you know, you've got to be consistent across the board. So. But, no, interesting conversation in terms of where you want the, how you want the game to officiate at that point, part of the game. Yeah. Next one I think could be an interesting discussion. I know we've, we've kind of discussed it offline, but uh, um, if we're to get a 12th team out of nowhere, and this is based on... The, the NHL franchise expansion of obviously Vegas and in 2020-21 season Seattle um, so if we were to expand and have the 12th team where will you have it? and that place doesn't necessarily have to have a nice rink yeah it's a question that my dad asked me to ask um, he doesn't have social media so he couldn't put it to us on Twitter but he's, he's forwarded, forwarded it to me and I said to bring it up um, yeah, the, the reason that it was relating to the Vegas thing and, and the Seattle thing was obviously Vegas came in, um, had a purpose-built arena the, the year before they joined the NHL. Uh, Seattle, with regards to their arena, they're actually taking an existing arena and adapting it to make it big enough and to make it purpose-built still, uh, in a sense, for the game. So the idea was, you know, our hands are tied in the league as to where we can go with the 12th team. In terms of, we can only have a team in a city that's got a decent enough ring. Like, for example, like we, we all know it, five, five, ten years ago, Telford would have probably made it into the Elite League if they had a bigger ring. 
at, at those points where they were signing people like Phil Hill and, and outbidding teams like the Steelers for players in the EPL. If we could have any team, as Dave said, uh, you know, if we could have any team anywhere in the country or anywhere in, in the UK, where would you have it? Because that I, I just thought that opened up a really, really good open-ended question um, with a lot of possible answers. I had three, but in just listening to the conversation, I've, I've gone to a fourth team. So I'd, I'd get Newcastle back in. Um, you know, the best away trip, you know, minus Belfast. Um, great fans. Um, Metro Arena was a fantastic place. Great location. Nice home roast. If, if, if you don't listen better, I, I may. I'd have had both. I missed both of them. I, I, I went a fan of the hog roast. They did hog roast at Whitley it. Bay, but that was it was just not the same. Yeah, yeah. Let's <laughs> move on from that one. Um, so I go Newcastle. Um, I got two very left field, but uh, potential rivalries for teams in their area. So I go Leicester um, for a place. You know, you could imagine the rivalry with Nottingham and Coventry, um, Plymouth, who does have a history of ice hockey. They could. Uh, Swing around about with you know Cardiff and, and maybe Bristol, um, how they'd work it out. And um, um, whilst talking here, I think I'd plump for a team in Leeds. I think that would be fun. I think I think it would be you know it'd be a lot of fun. I would Leeds v Sheffield at ice hockey. Um, and then obviously you know you can't forget Hull if they ever come back up in the Elite League. You know that little triangle of teams. I think that would be quite fun. So they're the four places I'd look at if you were to pick one of them. But I'd be there'd be my options. Yeah, I mean Newcastle. I'd love to see a team there again, especially with having family down there. Um, it, was, it was a great arena, Metro Arena. Up there, mate. Uh, up there. I, 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 yeah, yeah, up there. <laughs> Same thing. Let me knock us out. No, I have to knock them out a bit. Um, yeah, the arena, <laughs> the Metro was a great arena. Love going there. Um, as I said, Leeds, uh, they are currently building in, building, in, building a, a, an ice rink, which is probably going to be 2,000, 3,000 seats. So it's, it's the old big blue tent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that could be a possibility. Hull, another possibility if they can find the financial uh, stability. Um, City of myself, culture. Yeah. <laughs> for myself, um, to again. Probably very left field uh, cities. Was <laughs> the saddest thing is is that there's so many cities and towns you can pick from to get a team. Uh, but for me, another two left, left sort of wing ones. One's Liverpool, which I think would be a great place for hockey. And the other East Swansea. I, I think just to give uh, Cardiff a bit of a a bit of a run for the money in a local derby. I think that'd, that'd be really good. Be interesting. Imagine this name, the Swansea Sixers. What do you call them? What do you call them? Swansea Swans. Swansea Swans. No, but you wouldn't call them Swansea Swans. Brilliant. Swansea Diamondbacks. I don't know, but not the Swansea Swans. If you're going to go completely stupid and, and for the football fans listen, you might as well call them the Swansea Bluebirds. Which you just wouldn't do. What the is Swansea going on here? 
Moving, moving swiftly on. Um, I would say um, I like the idea. I like the idea of Liverpool, um, and I, I also I agree with Newcastle. Um, it was gr- there were great trips up to Newcastle, and I feel like he's probably the major city that needs it. That needs a um, that needs a team. I, I I wouldn't be objected to one in London. I wouldn't. It's a, it's nice, obviously. Big city, capital of the capital of the country. Um, lots of travel down there. Um, I think it drawing a good crowd, and I, I think they'd get a decent size arena. Even if they could do it at the O2 Arena, it'd be even better. Um, so I would, I'd have London down on my list. Not necessarily UK, but extending out to the, the wider, um, uh, sort of, well, the wider areas, should we say? I would love to see a team in Dublin. I don't know if it would if they would even play in the elite league. Obviously, then the you know, Republic of Ireland. But I, I just just think it'd be a great play. I'd love to see another Irish team because those Belfast weekends. Don't forget Brexit. Why are we bringing up Brexit on a hockey podcast? Because that may prevent Dublin. I don't know. Well, there, yeah. Well, I'll give you that. Um, but yeah, I just I just think it'd be great to see another Irish city. I mean, the Belfast the Belfast weekends really are the highlight of uh, of the year. And so I think adding another one in there as well would be uh, would be great. The other I'd add, I know they, from what you say, Dave, they've, they've got a, a team down there or a rink up, I'm not 100% sure, but Bristol would be another a city that I'd add in there. Um like the idea of getting some more southern teams. But yeah, they, they'd be the ones that I'd add. I'd say I, Leeds is an obvious one, um, Newcastle would be one I'd go with. I like Liverpool, but I would love to see another Irish team. So Dublin would be the one I'd throw in. <laughs> Let me throw a question to you guys. I've only just thought of in this discussion. Let's just say the Elite League went down the lines of the, the Rugby League Super League and they got a team from not just within the UK and, and Ireland, North and South, but they actually went to a completely different country on the mainland. So let's just say Tilburg or Amsterdam. Oh, don't start this Tilburg rumour again. No, no, it's not. No, I'm, I'm, this is not based on rumour. This is just a what would you think? If you went down that line of having a club that's actually on the mainland Europe in the Elite League, I don't think it's financially viable. You, you, you've got teams travelling from from here, there, everywhere, like maybe once every, every five, six weeks, and I just, I just don't know how they'd be able to afford it with all the travel uh, and everything. It, it, it's, it's quite a long way to get there, and. Um, yeah, again, it, it, it all comes down to money for me. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think it'd happen. I don't know where... Obviously, you've got, as you say, Tilburg, forgetting the rumour, um, but Tilburg were obviously one or, or somewhere along those lines in uh, in Holland. Um, obviously, I mean, I guess your other option would be France with the, uh, with the ferry connection or the Eurostar connection. I, I couldn't see us going any further than that, really. Um, unless you made it somewhere like Jersey or I can't see Jersey to be fair it's too small a place I, 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 it'd be great to see I don't think it'd happen it'd be nice to see a few friendlies arranged or a little bit of a um, you know a little bit of a cup or a bit of a trophy introduced between a couple of teams like that and have a bit of a European road trip just as an internal thing but I don't think it'd happen in terms of teams entering into the league 
Well, fair enough. But uh, so yeah, but there's the uh, options from us. Um, thank you very much for all the uh, the questions we've had this week. Yes, yeah, nice to have uh, nice to have other people's ideas coming in. I mean, like, like the one from my dad, I would have never thought of that. I, I know that you said as soon as I, as soon as I put it through that it was. Uh, a good question. I honestly would yeah, never pop, never popped into my head. Obviously, same with Jack. I, like I'd never thought of the connection between teams not making the, the 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 playoffs and and then players being, you know, more ready for for GB. I'd not made that connection. Either. So it's great having other people's um, opinions, other people's questions. Um, you know, give us things to talk about that we haven't thought of. If you do have any questions, feel free to pop them over to us via social media. We are at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's My Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Um, obviously, you can drop us tweets, uh, comments on, on on posts, PM us on, on either of them. Uh, and if we see them, we'll do our best to get those addressed on the podcast. So always nice to hear, as I say, the questions. If you've got any feedback as well, feel free to give us that. We're always looking to... Uh, improve on content and improve on other things. If you've got anything that you think we should try, um, by all means. If you've got anybody that you think we should try and get on, we'd, we'd like to start doing interviews. We're looking into the possibility of doing it now. Uh, obviously, being a, a newish podcast, it, it may be a little bit difficult to get going, but we'll, we'll do our best to look to get a few more steps forward in that respect as well. But if you haven't got anything, any other suggestions, feel free to drop us those as well. Um, but I believe, gents, that is it for episode 21. So, for the time being, Dave, you're pointing at me. Predictions? Predictions? Score predictions for this weekend? I've just, just, I've, do you know what? I've got them written down in a big grid in front of me. I literally, look at the signs that, I literally couldn't Andy. miss that. It's he's literally done, the middle he's of the page. Badly. Over the last few weeks, he's trying to con us out of this, this competition. Oh, I, I think this is a disgrace. Yeah. yeah. Right, Andy, you can find down. You you <laughs> you predicted eleven games last week and got three of them right. So, well, it's not shy about it, you know. <laughs> well, you got me. Um, I don't know how I've missed this. It literally is a huge grid in the middle of my page. Um, so I'm going to do it the same way again. So we'll run through an order. Um, I'll read out the, the the games and then we'll go Andy, Dave, and then I'll go. Um, Oh, it's, I'm going to use the excuse of it's quarter to one. That's that's all I'm going to say. Um, so early for us. What? Say. It is early for us. Like, yeah, no, I'll give you that. Halfway well. through this time. I know. I'm wondering what NHL games I'm going to watch. We're not late enough. Uh, Andy, it's excuses. It's just excuses. It, it is. is. Yeah. Anyway, bring it. <laughs> bringing it back on track. Uh, first game we've got Friday the first of Feb, which is actually today. Now uh, Glasgow Clan. Nearly said Brayhead. Glasgow clan versus the Fife Flyers. Glasgow. Glasgow. I'm going to go with Glasgow as well. Um, then we've got Saturday the 2nd of Feb. It's Belfast versus the Blaze. Belfast. Belfast. And again, full house for Belfast. Uh, we've then got Manchester v Cardiff in Manchester. Oh, Cardiff. Cardiff. I'm going to go Manchester. So Just because Gref's not here, I figure somebody should say Manchester, so I'll go Manchester. Um, Nottingham v Milton Keynes in Nottingham. Oh, uh, Nottingham. Nottingham. Nottingham again for me on that one. Uh, Steelers v Guildford 
in Sheffield? I think Guildford will seek revenge. I think it's going to be another greasy win for the Steelers. At the risk of sounding like a homer, I'm going to say Steelers. I think the uh, I think the Steelers have got to give their fans something to watch now, rather than just getting the uh, the closer games and the results on the road. We've we've got to get a win in our building soon. So I'm going to go Steelers. Um, the last two home, last two games of the arena has been poor for Sheffield, so they need something to uh, swing it back from. Exactly. Uh, we've then got Fife v Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow. It's in Kakodi if that swings it for you. Glasgow. Yeah, I'm going to go Glasgow as well. Uh, then we move on. Sunday, 3rd of Feb, we've got Giants v Nottingham in Belfast. 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 Yeah, full house again, I'm going to say Belfast. Uh, Manchester v Flames in Manchester. I have Manchester, this one. Guildford. I'm going to say Guildford. Uh, and we got Coventry beat Manchester. What? Oh. I got the last one wrong. I misread it. I've written stars and I thought I saw, I saw Storm. Um, <laughs> trying to sabotage that death. This oh, is awful. It is. It's not going well. It's not going well. Um, apologies. It is Stars v Flames in Dundee. Dundee. There's no point carrying on this, is there? No. <laughs> However, Dundee. Are well, you changing? I've got to scribble yours out as well now. I'm going to stick with Guildford. <laughs> uh, I've made my bed and I've got to lie in it. Um, we've got Blaze v Storm, and this actually is oh, the Storm. this fixture. Unless, Ooh. unless um, I've written it down wrong. <laughs> Every chance. Uh, Storm. Blaze. Hmm. I'm going to say Blaze as well. I think they'll claw their way back up the tables now. Uh, MKV Clan. Uh, Glasgow. Glasgow. Yeah, full house for Glasgow on that one. And then finally, Cardiff v Steelers in Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah, Cardiff. You said that with such a sneer in your voice then. Yeah, Cardiff. Yeah, this is inevitable. Yeah, I agree. Full house for Cardiff on that one as well. <laughs> Unless I've missed anything else, gents, that is the end of the podcast. <laughs> what was this thing here? Nobody's pointing at me now, so I'm going to assume there's nothing else. Um, once again, it's at MFZ Podcast on Twitter. It's my Fancy Zamboni Podcast on Facebook. Do give us your questions and your feedback. Um, but for now, Dave, thank you very much. Hope you get your boiler fixed soon. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Andy, and t- thank you to all the listeners. Yeah, Andy, thank you very much in your Benny Dom T-shirt. <laughs> you can get back Thanks on shift now. in the Solana now that we're done. And it's a thank you from me as well. Again, we're passing a speedy recovery to Greth as well. Hopefully he's, uh, he's back next week and hopefully we're back to a full house after two weeks of, uh, of reduced 
reduced staff, should we say. Um, but yeah, so thank you very much for listening to another episode of My Fancy Zamboni. <laughs>